The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by all three of my fabulous co-hosts. Pumpkin Nate Heininger. Spooky Laura Nash. And Skelly Shane Kelly. <laughs> and uh, this week we are talking about... Actually, we, we decided to do a little bit of a double feature, but we're primarily talking about Gordy and the Monster Moon. A game by Jim Stormdancer of the Frog Fractions uh, cinematic universe. And this is, uh, interestingly enough, an- another little tiny bite of Frog Fractions. We've talked about Frog Fractions before. I believe we covered the first game. We've never really covered Frog Fractions 2, but we did cover the Frog Fractions re release and yes. Frog Fractions. Uh, Hop's Iconic Hat DLC, which was uh, kind of another whole Frog Fractions game, kind of maybe Frog Fractions 3. Is this game Frog Fractions 4? No. Depending on how you number these, this <laughs> might actually be Frog Fractions 5 because a lot of folks count the uh, the ARG that led up to the discovery of Glittermitten Grove as Frog Fractions 2 and that as Frog Fra- then the game within that as Frog Fractions 3 and then what the an hat DLC as Frog folks, Fractions 4. Just you don't anyway. need yeah, but folks, you don't need to know anything about the Frog Fractions Extended Universe. This is no. a standalone game. R- Reagan totally. started vibrating different and levitating genre. as he uh, got deeper and deeper into the Frog Fractions I universe. just love the Frog Fractions whole deal. <laughs> I, I just think it's neat, you know? Yeah. Yeah, this was my anyway, first one. I have not been a part of the, the previous Frog Fraction episode. So this is my... This is not like entry. the others. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's got I, the it, humor, though. Uh, for mm-hmm. folks who are unfamiliar, the deal with Frog Fractions is it is a one game on the surface and another game underneath is the the best way to talk about it. Spoiler free. This game is uh, just the surface game. There is, is no that... underneath. Um, it, it, it that is we a, know of. That we know yeah. of that <laughs> anyone has found on the internet. Um, and uh, it is a perfectly delightful, perfectly cromulent little uh, <laughs> Halloween game. Mm-hmm. But it yeah, does you know, have the Frog Fractions characters in it. Yes, we've we've tried so hard over the years to do a spooky October game on or around Halloween, and uh, Jim Stormdancer did did us a solid by releasing a two hour or less game where you play as a jack o' lantern early enough in November uh, that we were able to October. play it. Sorry, <laughs> early enough in October that we were able to play it and get an episode out around Halloween time. This never happens for us. And we are always like <sighs> we're despairing that we can never manage to get like a Halloween episode out. So this is the type you. of Halloween game I'm here for, though. Reagan, what we, we have had a little bit of success on it because you and I covered that a horrible game. And I don't mean horrible. And it was a bad game. Just the the horror, terrible, scary, like. Chinese uh oh, yeah. prophecy game that we played. Oh, what was that called again? Um uh, like, Devotion? Uh, Devotion. Yeah. That game was great. Yeah. In in Zen Hell, like you're you're exploring like a horrible hellscape by the end of the game. 
Yeah, and, I guess uh, you're right. We did cover that for Halloween mm-hmm. or thereabouts. Yeah, um, this that, is, that was a game that had been around a long time, so it yeah. was definitely not topical by the time we got to it. Um, which you know, this we get to be both timely and topical and seasonal all at once. Well, developers, uh, we can't pay you. We can't commission anything. But if you'd like to make Halloween specials of the games we love, we would be into it. Yes. Next yeah. year, just 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 putting that out in the universe. Please make a Halloween special. Uh, for you know, goose game, Halloween yeah. special for immortality. I mean, mortality is already a Halloween special. Um, you know, just just put it out in the universe. Celeste, put it, make a pumpkin level. Ooh, we will, we will just play put it. pumpkins in it. That's all. Yeah, we just put pumpkins Ma- in make- it. We'll be happy. Celeste, Which great happy? idea. Instead of strawberries, you're you're getting lollipops, mm-hmm. little Snicker bars. While we're mm-hmm. celebrating the spookiest of seasons, um, you know, this is I put, part of the reason we often have a little trouble getting a specifically spooky game uh, episode out the door is it does kind of overlap with one of our favorite seasons, which is IF Comp. Mm -hmm. And so I am going to be trying out uh, something we haven't really done recently, uh, which is usually we have some dedicated IF Comp episodes, but we're going to just kind of catch up with IF Comp because I have found that IF Comp did contain a spooky game this year. Uh, that I liked very much. So um, stay tuned and we'll discuss that later on. Classic yes, double Halloween feature. double feature. One yes. for the kids and one for the grown-ups. I assume that the <laughs> Comp one is way spookier than uh, Gordy. It's also kind of funny too. So uh, I, I think it'll be appropriate for people of all ages. I haven't found anything too uh, grisly or, or disturbing in there. Mm-hmm. It's not like Eat Me or <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> there's been some very spooky Halloween ones in the past, so... <laughs> There have, yeah. Oh my gosh, that one, the one where the, with the boogie man or whatever. Oh, I was thinking of the one with with the uh, the cats. Oh, oh tag yeah, hair. yeah, tag hair. Yeah. Yes, so that's a uh, distressing. Well, Next. this game was not distressing. So let's talk about Gordy and the Monster yeah. Moon. First thing that's kind of interesting about it is so this is a uh, sort of uh, Zelda style action adventure uh, by Jim Storm Dancer, and he made this game in Pico Eight. And you can really tell, like you boot this up and you get the Pico 8 game, uh, like boot up screen and little like, you know, rainbow colored uh, flash that you get when you boot up Pico 8 for the first time. And I think it's, you know, this is entirely done in Pico 8 as far as I can tell. This is, and it's a, uh, it's really neat to see commercial games made in Pico 8. It's certainly not the first of those. Uh, It's not even the first that I've bought and played, but it's unusual uh, for a dev who's you know clearly been working for a long time, released a number of games, to do a neat little Pico 8 experiment like this and release it as a, in this case, $4 Steam release. Uh, and I, I, I love to see this. Um, I was a little disappointed that I did spelunk through the files and to see if I could find like a <laughs> Pico 8 uh, like, you know, cart file that I could like extract from this and run it in Pico 8 or on, you know, my little handheld I was talking about last week or anything like that. And that does not seem to be the case. Um, he sort of released this as a like fully packaged thing. And there's probably technical reasons for that, apart from just him not wanting folks to go spelunking through his source code. Um, I spotted him on Reddit, by the way. He said that I, he said, quote, I intend to release the cartridge when the game goes live on Steam, but probably just by putting the file out there um, not on the Lexilawful BBS. Uh, yeah. What is the Lexilawful BBS? Does he have his own BBS? That would make sense. No, the, the BBS is the like Pico 8. Uh, Pico 8 has a kind oh, of right. a forum. And the one it in serves Pico both as itself. like a, 
yeah, it serves both as a forum and also as a place where you can upload your work and that makes it available within Pico 8 in that little like explore, uh, you know, game browser interface. Um, so that just, that just means that, uh, you know, if you want to play this in Pico 8 proper when he releases the file, which would be a nice thing for him to mm-hmm. do, um, especially considering that like, you know, he's selling this as a $4 product, but also those cart files can't be DRM'd as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, cool. But yeah, yeah, if you want to do that, then you can get the file it. and open it in Pico 8 mm-hmm. manually. He's he's selling the game on Steam um, and through itch.io. And, um, you know, he said, um, you know, someone asked him kind of, why are you doing that and not just posting it the way that often Pico 8 games are shared on the BBS? And he said, I, simply because I feel it's good enough to sell, I'm trading on my reputation here in a way most Pico 8 devs can't. I've sold de- my games in the past. So people will hopefully be willing to accept that my game is also worth buying. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I think that's interesting. I'm super I, fair. Yeah. I yeah. wish that every game could be charged and people would pay for it, you know, let alone something from a such an established developer. This is something, I mean, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but this is something that I think Pico 8 could improve on. You know, if you look at something like the Playdate, which has a kind of a similar model, you know, it's this little, it's not technically a fantasy console, but you get what I mean. Um, but they have a store and, you know, devs can release their games on the, the Playdate for free, or they can sell them uh, directly through the Playdate interface in their little catalog system, or they can sell them elsewhere. And um, I actually would love to see Pico 8 move towards a model where, you know, maybe rather than charging $15 for the game system application, which is both sort of dev kit and game player, instead, maybe that is available freely and they have an in-system store to let folks, you know, sell their work directly in Pico 8. I think it would be really neat to see. But anyway, uh, that's that's all sidetrack stuff. Let's talk more about the game. Um, the thing that I thought was the, the the main tie between this game and the Frog Fraction cinematic universe is the intro and also the ending, which we might talk about the ending a little bit, but not not in depth. The end, the beginning, though, is uh, it, it's really just like a single picture of Hop, the uh, poison dart frog that is the protagonist of the Frog Fractions game, um, putting his little daughter, whose name is October, uh, as we all know, of course, having played the uh, Hop's iconic hat DLC, mm-hmm. um, putting her to bed and reading her a story, and so you get a, a beginning where it's sort of like a like a text mode thing, a conversation with you know dialogue choices where you're choosing, uh, you, you know, you're reading what uh, what Hop is saying in this sort of bedtime story to October, and you're choosing her responses. And it's very cutely written. Um, and it's, you know, he's telling this goofy Halloween story. It's like, I've, I've got a new one tonight. It's a Halloween adventure called Gordy and the Monster Moon. Are you ready? And it's it, it's really cute. And like, I don't know, I like the framing of like this little adventure story is a goofy Halloween uh, bedtime story told by the frog fraction frog. So um it actually, this is a little silly, but it kind of reminded me of the intro to Firewatch, where it's like, that's a game that plays out in, you know, full 3D, but it begins mm. with this sort of heartfelt 
text This is not the intro to Firewatch for those scarred by the intro to Firewatch. No. I'm thinking more like (laughs) Princess Bride, you know. No spoilers for Firewatch. Fair enough. Just very different vibe. (laughs) Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. But I just mean that, you know, having an intro that is all, that is sort of more of an interactive fiction uh, Mm -hmm. intro that leads into a more full game. And I like that approach. I think it's really cool. Yeah, bedtime story is a very cute way to start. And um, when you actually start playing the game, it's very Zelda 1, wander around, um, like very light puzzles. Um, I got really excited when I was like, ooh, there's light puzzles in this. I was not (laughs) expecting it. Um, You know, all these spooky enemies. Um, But my favorite thing, uh, speaking to light puzzles, is while you're running around uh, exploring in this top-down environment, uh, your main combat is throwing webs at people, but the webs are sticky. So if something else then hits the side of the thing you've already webbed, it will also get webbed. So it's it's an efficiency game of where you can place the webs to get the most enemies, which is a very yeah. fun, incredibly light combat puzzle. And um, it the way the developer says it is the webs are contagious. Which I found yes. very charming. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. You you web like a, uh, you know, like a little skull or whatever that's chasing you around, and then at the beginning you are very limited. You start with one web, and so you may have to then kite around like the other three ghosts that are chasing you, and you kind of have to guide them so that they run into mm-hmm. your webbed skull, and then just like you know, and they're just they're all stuck. And uh, it's fun. Yeah, it's a it's a very yeah. light, like you said, but it, it is a little bit like th- there's a fair amount of like small challenges in this game. You have a low hit point uh, total as well. So I got squished corn, as represented by the candy corn. Yeah, so yeah candy corn hit points, of course, of course. And um, I mean, we tradition. didn't and I'm not sure if we even really made it clear at the beginning, like your main character, while, of course, you know, you're I guess in some sense, the main character is uh, October, the little frog receiving the bedtime story. The character that you're playing as is Gordy, uh, a a pumpkin astronaut who hops around with a really cute little hopping jack-o'-lantern mm-hmm. animation. Um, you're bouncy in this game. Like I, I was so. surprised at the movement being so bouncy, but I, I enjoyed it because it mm-hmm. felt like a little hopping jack-o'-lantern. And and then I thought, well, you're on the moon. There's very little gravity on the moon. Of course you're hopping very large because it's on the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big the big uh, And you're a frog. Like you're a frog <laughs> jack-o'-lantern <laughs> on the moon. Sorry. What what big uh when you get hit, you also like big kickback. You know, when mm-hmm. you when you get hit by a bad guy, you you bounce around a lot, um, which was actually a little frustrating at times because it's a screens. You know, it's a it's a uh, you, you enter you you hit the edge of the screen and you you move to another full screen like Zelda. And if you get hit by a bad guy on the edge, it was not uncommon to be bounced back into like a previous screen and and cu- kind of getting kicked around a lot. At least that's what happened to me. Mm, same. <laughs> There's a lot of different little upgrades that you can get. Of course, you can upgrade your uh, your number of webs. Uh, that's really important because there's going to be certain sort of like gates where there are puzzles. Each little you know combat room will be a puzzle, and in order to um, 
there so lore dub uh you have yes, crashed we haven't on the explained moon. the important yeah. uh the important Got lore of this game mm-hmm. yeah. uh so gordy the uh the pumpkin astronaut was coming to this monster moon to terraform it but his lander crashed um and uh there is a second lander but it'll only be unlocked if he can uh uh, bring online or bring up out of the ground a certain number of what were they called something pods cryopods cryopods, cryopods. yeah the yeah. cryopods have buried themselves because they're scared uh because there's monsters around and so you have to web up all the monsters surrounding a cryopod before it will emerge from the ground and grow a little leaf which becomes your save point and that's really what all of the the combat puzzles in this are about is um, you know, you might be in a on a screen with six enemies and you've only got two or three or four webs and you have to figure out how to web up all of them. And sometimes they might be in locations or moving in places where it's hard to get to them or hard to web them, web multiples at a time. And that's sort of the, the, the trick of this game. And that's also how it sort of gates content. So, you know, there might be parts of the map that you can't get to until you get more webs because you don't have enough webs to complete a particular screen and unlock uh, that area by bringing out the, the cryopod there. Um, every time I did one of these, I was like, wow, that was yeah, like a, a good, cute little combat slash puzzle. They were all nice little, ex- little well-executed things that all made me feel good, you know? Yeah. Never made me feel it dumb. Al- <laughs> <laughs> it also made me think a little bit of, I think, a short game, all-star game, minute, in that mm-hmm. these little cryopods also serve as save points. Mm-hmm. And it, it is sort of a way that allows you to maneuver around the map in a in a faster way. You can now set your new save point as this recently accomplished cryopod. That means when you die, you start back over there instead of like all the way back on the other side of the map. It's not a big game, but it's big enough and there's enough monsters everywhere that like traversing across the entire map uh, can be a little difficult. And so being able to have these cryopods that both serve as a puzzle and as a save point is really nice. And I thought a a, a very slick way to handle it. I enjoy that they explode into a pile of little seedling markers because it's very easy to know when you're entering a screen of the save point, if you haven't checked the map, Um, it's just, it's a quick way to know this is a stopover spot. Um, and I think sometimes games at this size can be really hard to see small things, especially if I was playing on a dedicated Pico 8 machine and not my giant monitor. So yeah. I, I appreciate mm-hmm. the quality of life of that. I also love how the cryopods, when they explode, it often is what is opening the next part of the map too. The mm-hmm. the plants hit like, rocks and stuff like that and destroy them and then you can walk through it and so that becomes your new way of of getting through which is pretty smooth and pretty slick for such a tight and and small game like the way the systems work together is nice it's hard to do uh like zelda style games or metroidvanias where there's sort of this like you know lock and key um uh, like progression, it's hard to do those on such a small scale. We were just talking about this in the context of like short Metroidvanias when we were talking about um, Gunbrella versus like um, you know Gato Robato from that same team that did such a great job at making like a very short Metroidvania. Um, there's not that many 
uh, you know, different upgrades that you get here, but each one unlocks like five or six different areas of the map in some cases. Like, you know, once you get the ability to uh, swim underwater or wade through uh, under, you know, wade through the the shallow water or, um, you know, some of the other upgrades are very, I, wait, I'm not sure if there are any others. <laughs> Was it just the two? I guess it was just the two plus the, uh, uh, you know, getting additional webs, which lets you unlock certain areas too. There's, um, there's a handful of items that you're getting upgrades. Oh, is oh, a strong the, um, the, the candle, the very first one is yeah. you get the yeah. candle. I think so there's like four or five places. Yeah. There, there's, yeah, there's the boots. Yeah. Yeah. There's the scuba goggles. There's the lollipop. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's what a was the lollipop there. again? It allows you to eat the teeth that are. Uh, uh, it's oh. the very last one. You get it right yeah. at the end. Um, yeah, um, you. So I it, got like right, right, right up to the end, and I didn't. Uh, I didn't actually play through the very, very end. So that's why I haven't got the lollipop yet. Yeah. Um, it, I, uh, it, I think I got that and finished the game like five minutes later. Yeah, I um, I I I like right in time to to do this. I decided like, okay, I haven't quite finished, so I'm gonna watch the ending on YouTube. And I realized it, I was literally maybe like one minute away from the ending. So <laughs> yeah, um, it is it's a very short game. If we haven't made that clear, this is a game that um you can probably finish in one hour, but you might take two, but almost mm-hmm. certainly not more. Um, yeah, short. I think I I think I was at at the higher end. I was probably closer to two hours. It's a um, you basically in order to end the game, you have to have uh, accumulated enough of these cryopods and there are Mm -hmm. more cryopods than you need to beat the game. So you can kind of like there was one that I I could not figure out how to do it. I I actually want to look it up. I I finished that far before we started recording. So I want to look it up because I could not figure out the like combat puzzle on how to actually open up this cryopod. But fortunately, like I didn't need to get it done in order to beat the game. I was still able to go and exit because I'd saved enough cryopods. Yeah, there were definitely uh, a couple that I was I'm still stumped on. There was that one where there's a, a skull surrounded by walls in a little area where there's a, a um uh, like a a ladder coming up. And mm-hmm. I guess you yeah. need to go into that area, but I could not for the life of me figure out what that ladder connected to. Just yeah, could not I, find I, it. That one I didn't get, and there's there are um, almost everything is webbable, but there is a like there are these like I don't know like fairies or like I don't know what they're supposed to represent, but there are these bad guys that are not webbable, and if they touch another bad guy, it also becomes unwebbable. And oh, those are just on fire. Is it, is it they're on fire? <laughs> yeah, it's they're on fire. <laughs> that checks it's, out. They're, they're a regular uh, enemy, but once they light on fire, they can't be webbed because that there's there's good. a puzzle. Uh, there's a puzzle where you have to put out the fire. You have to lure them into. Um, oh well, then that's what it was. I never. That's so. That's the uh, one that I didn't figure out because I didn't realize that they were on fire. Ah, uh, that <laughs> checks out. Yeah, a little hard to tell okay. at that size. So there are definitely yeah. some little quirks here, but uh, it, I'm playing I, on I my think, Steam Deck, you know, which which I guess I didn't really like. I didn't really stare at them. They just looked like they were glowing and sparkly. So I figured it was like a fairy or something. Mm -hmm. But if I open it back up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's obviously they're on fire. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was too scared. When you try to web them, I gotta get away from them. When you try to web them, that little one of the things I like about the game is it has like a little status text line at the very bottom of the screen that's Mm -hmm. always there. And whenever the game wants to tell you about something that's happened that you might not be able to tell from the pixel art, it uh, it prints a little you know status line. So it'll say things like, "Oh, you know, there's Lander B." When you see Lander B, or you know. Ah, uh, you feel well rested if you save your game. And when you web those guys up, it says your webs burn up in the fire or mm, something like yeah, that. Yeah, but what are, what are you supposed to do if you both don't look at the sprite well enough and also don't read the, the line along the bottom? <laughs> what am I supposed to do here, Reagan? I don't feel like that's my fault. What if no, I pay attention to nothing in the entire interface? Yeah. How am yeah. I supposed to play this game? How am game? I supposed to I know these you. things? Yeah, come mm-hmm. on. Come, come on. on. <laughs> the, the one other thing we haven't talked about, which is uh, one of the things I like best about this game is its implementation of hints. Um, you know, yes. some games will have like a hint option, but uh, like it's usually like a menu or something like that here. Uh, there is an area on the map where your dad, uh, Hop, the uh, iconic frog himself, is just hanging out and you can go over and talk to him. And they have some dialogue that is like hint related and other dialogue that's just for fun or cute stuff, you know? Like you can ask him like, hey, you put yourself in the story? Are you supposed to be a monster? And uh, he was like, yeah, I'm just, you know, here, I'm telling the story. I forget exactly what he said. But anyway, it's it's cute to have, you know, like I I maybe even thought a little bit of Earthbound where it's like, you know, you you need to figure out what to do next. Go call your dad on the phone. Here you can just go Mm. find him in this little room that is, you know, just off of, uh, of like the swamp area and you can go talk to your dad and you can ask him like, so what should I do next? And he'll give you like a little bit of progressive hint disclosure. So you can opt into just a little hint or you can opt into a little more hint and he will warn you like, Hey, the fun of this game is supposed to be exploring on your own kiddo. Just Mm -hmm. go and have some fun. That said, I'll, I'll give you a hint if you want. Um, yeah, I like that. Layers cute. I liked it too. There were layers. You, you kind of said already, but like there, there are layers to the hints within the hints. So it'll be like, you know, what, what do I do next? I'll be like, go to the jungle. Okay. And then there'll be, you can say there'll be another option for a question and be like, what do I do when I get to the jungle? And you can ask that. And then he'll give you like, Oh, well you need to do X, Y, Z. So you, you kind of get to choose how deep into the, uh, into the hints you go. And also, it just sort of serves as like general tutorial for the game in some ways too. One of the questions for the dad is like, does this, does this game save my progress? And it's like, yeah, of course it does. So if you turn it off, you'll come back right where you left off. And, and like little things like that, that just sort of, Hope you understand, you know, what are you what are you getting yourself into with this game? I appreciated that, too, because that is absolutely not a given with Pico 8 games. And yeah. I was nervous to shut the game off. Um, but it does save your progress. And uh, Hop will tell you so. Yeah. And it, they're like, what what are the cryopods? How do I how do I open them? Like, just in case, I guess maybe you turned off this hour and a half game uh, and then didn't pick it up for a year. You can go and talk to your dad and he'll. Go and tell you everything you need to do and why you need to do it. And you get right back into the game. Well, I'm not sure there's much else to say about uh, Gordy and the Monster Moon. Uh, I I think we all enjoyed it and recommended it. And it's a good spooky time that you could play if you've got nothing better to do on uh, Halloween or any time of year. And uh, you can find it with kids. Good with kids. Yeah, Yeah, probably would. It's yeah. Reading probably necessary, but, um, you know, definitely play it with your kids if uh, if you uh, I didn't do that, but I think you definitely could and it would be fun. Um, and it's uh, available, as we said, on uh, Steam and itch.io. And it is now part of the uh, 
sorry, the uh, the uh, Frog Fractions Cinematic Universe bundle on uh, Steam. So it's possible that you might actually get a discount if you already own the other Frog Fractions games. Uh, worth taking a look. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how the math works out on that. It is $4, though. So even if you don't get a discount, right, it is $4. $4. Yeah. Perfect price. Great little game. Maybe two hours. And we do have one other spooky game to talk about this week. Shane, you came prepared to bring us a little bit of IF Comp today. Yes, I did. I'm really excited because I just sort of was flipping through the IF Comp games, and I really think uh, this one is going to be up there uh, in the in the rankings. There were some recommendations for this in our Discord, and I just want to say thank you very much. Uh, for putting me on to Dr. Ludwig and the Devil. Um, Dr. Ludwig and the Devil is a parser game um, that is about an hour and a half, and uh, it's brought to us by S.V. Linwood, who I did not play their first game. This is Linwood's second game for the competition, and as far as I can tell, second game period, uh, at least from their itch.io page. And um, last year... They put out a, um, they put out a uh, not a parser game, but a like a choice based game called A Long Way to the Nearest Star. Did anybody play that one? It came in third place. That, I think that I name did. really rings a bell. Yeah. I think I played it, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So anyway, I'm looking forward well, to checking this out, though. It's a surprise that they put out not just a parser game, but an incredibly funny and like mirror finish polished parser game here. Um, the uh, the idea behind this game is it's, uh, and the reason it's so great for Halloween is it's based around a mad scientist named Dr. Ludwig um, who's uh, facing the literal devil that he has summoned into a summoning circle uh, in his workshop. And the... Um, uh, the his objective is to make a deal with the devil to uh, learn the secrets of creating life. He's a very sort of Frankenstein inspired um, doctor there, um, and in order to achieve that, of course, there are there are many puzzles uh, in order to successfully make a good deal with the devil uh, and come out on top. Hmm. And uh, there are several things in this game that are just beautifully done. First off, it's the character of Dr. Ludwig himself. Everything that you do in the game is just dripping with the character of Dr. Ludwig. And he's a very big, broad, you know, tropey, mad scientist character. Um, but uh, just thinking of some examples, um, almost everything that you might do in games, even the stuff where there's not a lot of, um, you know, you, you say you you try and ask about a noun that it doesn't recognize, the uh, the words that it's going to to use, everything is in the voice of Doctor Ludwig. You know, you, you, it's not just get lamp; it's the lamp is mine, mine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and uh, so all of that makes it really a joyful game to play, and that really lasts from beginning to end. Um, even when you're stuck on some puzzles, the responses that you get are going to be very, very funny. Uh, and uh, one, one of my favorite moments early on is you've 
you know, once you've just started to get into it with the NPC of the devil, um, on the door upstairs in your laboratory, there's a knock from, um, one of the, you know, there's a small number, but several very well done NPCs in this game. None the, not the least of which is the very, very sarcastic devil. Um, very funny, but, uh, probably my favorite was Hans from the torch and pitchfork society who is waiting outside your front door. Um, <laughs> And, uh, so, you know, there, this is a, there are good puzzles here. I, I will confess I had to resort in several cases to using, um, some of the hints from the walkthrough, uh, but not as much as I often do on puzzly, uh, interactive fiction. Um, and, and the reason that I was able to make a lot of progress is one of my favorite things they've done here is implement two really useful items that you can keep on your person at all times. One being a grimoire of demonology and the other being a to-do list. Um, you know, lots of games include a, um, you know, a, a quest log, but not all of them, um, are, you know, one of the first things you'll do when you start a game like this is like, you know, what's in my inventory. So I'll type inventory. Uh, and you see, well, I have in my lab coat, uh, I'm carrying a to-do list. And the to-do list has three items on it uh, at first. One, summon the devil. Check. <laughs> Two, ask the devil about the secret of creating life. Three, laugh in the very face of God as I cross the boundary between life and death. And uh, so... You know, and the list will update update as the game progresses. So, you know, when I first read this thing, I thought it was it was a gag. It's very clear uh, that it's not just a gag. As you go on, the list expands with the different kind of clues and elements of the puzzle and quests that you're doing. Um, uh, but it remains uh, pretty funny. And um, another thing that you you will notice uh, as you do this is uh, that it tracks topics. Now with NPC oriented puzzle games in interactive fiction, I always really appreciate it when they have a way to keep track of what conversational topics are important, might advance the story. Um, the, the devil in this, um, you can issue commands to because you have trapped it in a summoning circle and, uh, you can tell it to do things like, sing, dance, speak about different things, um, you know, whatever. Um, and, um, so as you, as you go through and identify these different conversational topics, um, it has a really smooth, uh, system for interacting with these NPCs. And like I said, the NPCs have a lot of character and they're very, very funny. So, you know, the, the, as soon as you, you know, read your grimoire, um, you'll see all of those topics are things you can look up in the grimoire and you can talk to the NPCs about. Um, and, you know, they've they've highlighted and identified some of them, but others you'll get very amusing responses just by trying. So um, it, it has done also, I think, a really good job of being a very contained piece. There are a few locations outside of the um, outside of the, the laboratory, but mm -hmm. obviously most of what you're doing is trying to uh, make this advantageous deal with the devil 
And so while you might go out and explore cool places and meet a few other NPCs, like going to, uh, uh, you know, your classic disappearing magic shop or, or things like that, um, mostly you're in just your basement. Um, and I really appreciate not having to draw a map for a game like this. Uh, this was recommended to me as being extremely newbie friendly. Um, I totally agree. It has a built-in help. Uh, it has some explanations and it just has the, um, it has the, the kind of reactions when you screw up the, all the parser stuff that makes you laugh instead of makes you uh, hit your head against the wall. So, mm -hmm. um, I, uh, so far this is my favorite IF comp game. I think it's a great Halloween piece because it is just dripping with mad science and, and demonology, um, which are some fantastic, um, spooky tropes. So, um, big recommendation on this one. A, a few, maybe let's see if I can think of a couple more things to say about it. Um, there are, well, I, I guess I would just want to go back to the fact that it's very, it's very, um, cleanly implemented. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, this is this guy's first parser game that I'm aware of. Um, this game is almost completely bug free. I've, I don't think I found this. I should say completely can't say completely cause I've poked and prodded everything in the game, but it really seems very cleanly implemented. Um, and that extends to places where I think, uh, I have seen new interactive fiction authors just stick with the defaults because they work like when you're, you know, interacting or, or when you're thinking about um a noun that doesn't exist or maybe you've misspelled it or something you know uh, instead of something like hey you don't see a umbrella and i've um, you know misspelled it or something right um it, in this game you don't get the standard like hey you don't see that right first off all of the messages you're getting are in the voice of the doctor so um and so instead of that you get something like you know, there was no such thing in sight, or if there was, it was beneath my notice, you know? <laughs> and so there's mm. just tons of character there. Um, and it's enhanced by being really, really well implemented. And this game is just full of fun detail, um, as well as big, broad, um, characters and humor. So, um, I have got uh, just nothing but great things to say about it. It's going to be high awesome. on my, on my rankings this year. I, I really want to play this. And and while you were while you were talking, I clicked through to to refresh my memory on the previous game, comp game from this author, uh, A Long Way to the Nearest Star. And I I don't know why that you know didn't click in my brain, but I definitely did play this and really enjoyed it. Um so that one was great too. Uh I I'm really in fact, yeah, this was one of the better ones from that year. Um mm -hmm. this is twenty twenty two. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah, it really sounds really intriguing, Shane. And I spoke very recently on this show about my sort of struggle with parser games. Um, and it sounds like this one might be a really good option for me because I, I love parser games in theory. But yeah. in practice, mm -hmm. I tend to bounce off of them. But this one sounds like it might be a good uh, a good experience for me. Yeah, I it's not easy. There are really tricky puzzles, but it's not, but there's, it's a very low friction game. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. Well, that's really good to, good to hear. And I, I can't wait Love to love a good deal with the devil. 
More games should be centered around deals with the devil. (laughs) So this has been a relatively short episode, despite the fact that we were doing a bit of a double feature. Uh, So so we've got some time for a little bit of Halloween. What's making us happy? Um, Laura, what's making you happy this week or this? Uh I am anticipating happiness, um, and that is the uh, Pupkin costume contest, uh, which is going to be this weekend. Uh, I went last year. I took a million pictures of dogs in Halloween costumes, and these were intense Halloween costumes, um, including someone built an entire train and filled it with little bulldogs and little hats, and they were the conductors on the trains, and they Hmm. they had – fake arms with tickets that you could give to children. It was amazing. Um, people did a whole princess in the pea thing with a stack of mattresses and a dog. And it was a, t- they made a tunnel through the mattress. So the dog could sleep on top and then come out and stick his head through the hole. And he had a little pea hat on. I was like, this is astonishing. I don't know what these people are doing with their time, but they are spending all of it on dog Halloween costumes. And I'm very happy with it. Um, I mean, I was just happy with the big fluffy white dog that had been painted to look like a panda. Um, and the one that had a was dressed with like Biggie. Like those they they didn't even rank. Um, but this weekend uh they have they're live streaming it for the first time, but it, this will be airing after the live stream. So pretend I didn't say that. Um, but for you three, if you want to watch some dogs in Halloween costumes this year, um the Tompkin, uh, excuse me, the uh Fort Green uh park uh pupkin costume contest <laughs> is going to make me incredibly happy. I'm going to bring my camera and take a ton of pictures of dogs and it will be um all the halloween spirit I need. That's awesome. I I also have a anticipatory making me happy because uh tomorrow uh I'm taking my family to uh, the Texas Renaissance Festival, and it is the pirate-themed weekend. They have different. Mm-hmm. So, wow. for folks who haven't been or, or aren't familiar, you know, the, the Texas Renaissance Festival is probably the largest uh, Renaissance festival or fair in the country, um, and it runs through most of the fall every weekend. Um, it's really big. They've got like permanent grounds with a lot of buildings and stuff, so you know, like they don't have to rebuild the like jousting arena every year they've just got a really nice jousting arena that kind of thing um fun time you know walk around outdoors eating turkey legs and uh gawking at people dressed up in chainmail bikinis and you know (laughs) buying like random weird crap like wooden swords for children that kind of thing and uh i love it my kids love it um but my my son is super into pirate stuff right now like super into pirate stuff and with some serendipity, we just had a, uh, a neighborhood um, like garage sale. sale and we were walking around the garage sale and found a bunch of pirate costume stuff that one of my neighbors was selling. Some of it fits him. Some of it fits me. And uh, so we're going all out. Uh, we're going to we're going to be a whole pirate crew nice. and go to the Renaissance Festival. I don't really know why the Renaissance Festival has a pirate weekend, but, you know, it's it's probably closer than than some of the, uh, the you got to mix it up. They do. Yeah, you know, um, keep it fresh. And yeah, I so I'm looking forward to that. Shane, what's making you happy this week? So I've got two games that I want to throw out there. They're both little fun things that I'm doing on my phone pretty much every day. Um, the first one is Connections from the New York Times. Is anybody else doing mm. Connections? Yes. 
I've been. Yeah, I didn't know you were it's playing. Only connect my favorite British show. <laughs> yes, I was going to say this is this is a it is basically a direct ripoff of the the British game show Only Connect. Uh, but for those of you who aren't deep into British game shows like Laura, uh, what that means is uh, it's, it's a grid of sixteen words, and you are creating groups of those words based on the linguistic connections between them. And those connections can be something like, you know, there there might be a few different words that are a synonym, um, or they might be something a lot harder, like, um, you know, the categories range from easy to very obscure, right? Um, I, I wish I had prepared with a list of some example uh, connections puzzles, but rest assured, they are they are weird in some cases. So um, the the fun thing about this game, it really has kind of learned the lessons from um, from Wordle, which was so successful in the MIT bot. Um, mm-hmm. Here they have that same kind of shareable element where you can kind of share your your results uh, without spoilers um, in your group chats and so on. And um, the thing that I really love about the way that these puzzles are, unlike Wordle, which often feels like, hey, they just picked a dictionary list of recognizable five-letter words and they're just kind of going through them. In this, the puzzles feel very intentionally designed because the categories are very carefully chosen, right? Uh, you know, so you might have um, you might have a, a a list of words that, okay, you know, I recognize uh, four ish different words like that are all TV show names, like, you know, Fargo, Firefly, Fleabag, and a few other things. Uh, And you hit them all and you're wrong. And the reason is almost all of the good categories have some overlap with each other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, especially the most obscure category that's hardest to guess, none of the categories are, all are are as easy as all that. Um, but of course, you know, there's because it is, you know, four groups of four, there's still also you're able to use the process of elimination, but you can't rely on it completely. So I just have really enjoyed how that kind of twist is taken a little bit every day. Some days I feel brilliant. I, I get all four. Some days I feel super smart and I get the purple hardest category first. Uh, but mostly, um, you know, you, I'm burning through the, um, two or three or four, I I think it's four, uh, mistaken entries that you can do. Mm -hmm. So big recommendations for connections, uh, send me your results. And then the second phone game, uh, that's not really a phone game. Before you, before you move on from connections, I will say, uh, there is a fan-made community called PuzzGrid, P-U-Z-Z-G-R-I-D.com, where people have been submitting their own fan-made connecting walls for ages. And you can look by country, which was used to be really helpful because UK stuff is very different from US stuff. Um, so if you're looking to like, if, if you're mad, there's not enough that New York Times has, uh, go to PuzzGrid and lose a lot oh. of time. There's also a version that's just movie connecting walls where you have to figure out what all the movies have in common, which is way harder. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll give that link for the show notes. Just if you want more, there is more where that came from. That is really right. cool. I, it's a really cool puzzle design. And I, you know, I was never really familiar with the, with the show where I, I just heard about it as I was reading this, but I'm kind of thinking maybe I should check out this, this show. It has, has the 
looks like it would work in a game show context. So, um, and then the, the game that I want to throw out next is on Apple Arcade. It's called Finity. Um, has anybody else played Finity? Yes, I recently yeah. started playing it. Yeah, Finity is a um, match three, but a little bit different from match threes that I've played before. Um, and the the basics for it is it's a sliding four by four, also a four by four grid, much like connections. So there's the connection between my two games. Um, but in this sliding four by four grid puzzle, I I don't want to interrupt, um, but didn't didn't I already like I know I've I've been playing this too, but didn't I already talk about this on the show? Like might have been an episode point? I wasn't on, was oh, it? Yeah, I just didn't I just didn't want to um I mean listeners, listeners well if you're hearing have, yeah. us review about review Finity for the second time, um apologies. I, go right ahead, Shane, because it's very possible that I am misremembering and I, I might have mm-hmm. only talked about it on the Discord. I love this game though. Shane, you are absolutely right. This game rules. Go ahead. Well, on the Discord recently, I I believe I posted uh that I had beaten your high score after several weeks of trying. So I was, I'm so mad and I, 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 I was, don't know if I can, I don't know if I can get back. Like mm-hmm. I, that game gets really hard after a while. The very cool thing, it does get quite hard, but you, you also, um, it has a real learning curve to it. Um, the, the thing that you need to know about the game is that, uh, you know, on that four by four grid, each row and column can be, you can slide, um, in any direction, like up and down, left or right. Um, and so you can make your matches by sliding things off the screen because it wraps, you know, you, you slide something off the left, it'll appear on the right. Um, and the, um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a beautifully simple game, but it does really grow as you, as you get into it, because there's kind of a leveling up system and progressively as you go through the levels, they're introducing new challenges that include things like, uh, double tiles that are, you know, two colors and you have to clear them twice. Um, or, um, I've just unlocked, um, a different kind of double tile that is two tiles stuck together that, you know, you might have to slide two rows, uh, or two columns together at the same time. Um, there's a system of power-ups that is... And then the thing that I like very much about it is um, each puzzle has sort of levels to it, and at, at you're completing each level by getting a certain number of um, of matches uh, and filling up a bar. Uh, but once you do that, now you have to get extra kind of bonus tiles onto the grid and then make a match with those bonus tiles um, in order to progress to the next level. Um, the, um, the the thing that's hindering you is not the actual sliding, which is very easy. Uh, it's a very small grid, and you're trying to make these three three and four groups. But the, um, the thing that really is hindering you is at, every time you move a tile, uh, a counter on it goes down from in, um, I think, on the basic difficulty from three to two to one. Um, and once something gets um, to zero, it locks that tile so it can slide only in one direction. And if that tile moves again, it locks in both directions. So, uh, you're only out once you can no longer slide any of the tiles on the board, keeping things moving and keeping things, uh, keeping your matches happening pretty much every turn is the only way to keep your board clear enough to, to keep things moving. So, um, I really enjoyed the game. Uh, I think it's 
yet another addicting puzzle game from Apple Arcade. Yeah, totally co-signed. Uh, while we're sharing iOS games that uh, that we're enjoying, I will very quickly mention that I've been playing a lot of Subpar Pool. Have you guys seen this one at all? It's from the same developers that did Hole Down, which we really got into a little while mm, back. Yeah. Um, Subpar Pool is kind of like a uh, very short, challenged-based uh, mashup of pool and golf. So it'll give you a set of five pool tables that are non-standard shapes and with holes in weird places, and you know a select, you know, a collection of balls in different places on it. And um, you know, you just have to clear each pool table in a certain number of strokes, right? So, like, kind of like golf, but if golf involved multiple balls. Um, but it has a lot of like quirky stuff. So like there's levels where the, you know, there are portals on the, on the edges of the golf table or the you know pool table where balls can roll from one side to the other, or there's special balls that like will zoom, you know, zero in on your ball and like zoom towards you if you get close to them, or there's, you know, different sizes of balls that have different weights and are harder or easier to hit that kind of stuff. Lots of variety. And there's little challenges it'll, it'll bring up. Um, I just picked it up randomly because I uh, I saw like, hey, this is from the hold down people and it's new and it looks cute. Um, but I've really been enjoying it. So uh, recommended uh, while we're while we're doing iOS game picks. Mm -hmm. uh, Nate, what's making you happy this week? Yeah, so um, I generally speaking haven't been a like a huge horror movie fan. It's just not a genre that I've connected with. Um, but over the last maybe like six, seven months, um, me and Molly and our group of friends have been doing uh, roughly every other week, give or take a week or two. Um, we've been doing horror movie night club. And what we do, I think, Laura, you've done a bunch of stuff like this, you know, where you you watch a movie simultaneous with people in, you know, everyone's at their own houses. And we have mm -hmm. a, a shared Slack group that we basically watch the movie as a group and just like chat in the chat the whole time. And you know, everyone's doing their best MST3K impressions, you know, trying to goof around the movie while we're watching it. And it's been a really good way for me to get like into a genre that I've never really cared about. And even though I, I'm still not super connecting with the movies, I'm having a really good time watching them. I've watched a bunch of horror movies now over the last six months. And uh, uh, so first, I'd just say like that process is making me happy. And I highly recommend it if you've got friends in other parts of the country or the world or or you got friends with kids and it's hard to get together to watch a movie. This has been a ton of fun. Um, but one in particular that I'd actually already seen, but we watched it again and I really enjoyed it. Came out a few years ago. It's called Ready or Not. Have I love that seen movie. <laughs> Ready or Not. Yeah, it's uh, I'll, I'll keep it quick. But basically, the premise is a uh, a guy has brought his fiance home to meet his family. And because of an ancient curse a deal with the devil a great you know again love a love a good deal with the devil um this woman now has to play hide or seek and everyone wants to find and kill her and it spirals from there it's funny it's kind of shocking at times um it's you know suspenseful um but first and foremost i think it's it's funny it's like it is an enjoyable watch and so uh I highly recommend it if you're looking for a a like a fun, campy, silly eat the um, rich. <laughs> eat the rich. Yeah, it falls right in line with the the you know the the uh, uh, Jordan Peele would you know love this movie too. I think you know so um, 
and has one of my favorite endings, no spoilers, but one of my favorite endings of like any movie I've ever seen. So, oh, man, uh, uh, highly recommend it. Check it out. Definitely adding that to my list for this uh, yeah. this October. Gory, but not scary. Yeah, is my yeah. call on it. So if you are yeah. not against like there's a lot of blood, but I didn't I didn't find it scary. I found it really entertaining and a real fun to watch. Yeah, awesome. it's not scary, but it is like shocking. Like there are yeah. twists and turns and there is a lot of scary movie elements to it. But yeah. it has a sense of humor, I think. So yeah. very, very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you listeners for joining us on this a spooky episode of The Short Game. You can find our show on the internet at www.shortgame.fm. That's our website where you can find links and buttons for all the things. You can find us on all of the different podcast platforms from there. And hey, maybe use that as a way to go in there and leave us a review. Uh, We really appreciate reviews. We mentioned last week that we just hit 100 Apple reviews, which uh, was a nice little milestone for us. But we need more, more. Um, let's see. You can. I wonder find, if there's a uh, deal with the devil we could make for more iTunes yes. reviews. Is that worth it? <laughs> well, yeah, you, you first. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, and, and on there also links to all of our socials, our Patreon, uh, which listeners, if you are not a patron of the show, let me tell you, it's a great way to join our community. If you go to patreon.com slash the short game or find it, the link on our website uh, for uh, as little as $3 a month, then you can become one of our patrons and all of our patrons at any level get instant access to our discord community, which is where we talk about the show. We chat about the games that are upcoming, talk about IF comp, talk about things like Baldur's Gate 3 and Gordy and the Monster Moon and anything else that's on our minds. It's a great hang on the internet if you want a uh, a relatively chill but also pretty fun Discord community. Uh, it's a great place to be. Um, and let's see. Um, you can find me on the internet at reagan.me and that's R-A-Y-G-A-N.me and there's links to all my socials and everything there. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? Generally at uh, Laura J. Nash in different places, mostly active on Blue Sky and Mastodon where it's Laura J. Nash at bird.rodeo. All right. And Nate, where can people find you? Uh, at NateSTL or NateSTL that bird.rodeo. And Shane, where can people find you? I'm at 8BitShane most places, but just Shane at bird.rodeo as well. And listeners, thank you once again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.